started. Hi everybody, I'm Carol Geisander. We're here to talk about running a kick-ass book group, which is really fun. Um, I'm just going to start out by saying I write um, science fiction and mystery stories and short stories. And I have been in the same book group for 22 years. We'll talk about that in a minute. I'm the moderator for our panel. We have some fabulous people with us here, which is way cool. First of all, sitting next to me here. I'm sorry, I was just looking. I left my name. Oh, is it here? It's not. A you can have my name if you want. It's <laughs> a nice name. Okay, no, it's lost. Sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt. We're now nameless. Yes, he's now nameless, yeah. Sitting next to me is Eric Palmer. He's the head of the Phoenix Write Fiction Writers in Phoenixville, PA, which is not too far. Thanks for coming over here. I understand he's achieved a degree in English literature and hasn't really used it except in settling weird arguments and winning pub quiz all. So that makes him ideally suited to be here. <laughs> Thanks. Next we have uh, Lauren Paradise. I always want to say Paradise, but that's not right. <laughs> that's right. She's an academic librarian specializing in the social sciences and digital humanities. So I think it's really cool to have a librarian perspective on the panel, and that's always very useful. She's currently researching the ratio of creative credits given to female writers and artists as several comic book publishers, and if any increases have impacted the demographics of their titles. She loves comic books, horror, science fiction, and old movies, and she likes to think she knows where her towel is, but that's likely too optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> Next to Lauren is Lancelot Chaubert. Do you, do you use a French pronunciation? It just depends on the region. Okay. Everybody pronounces it wrong, so you might just well let people pick what they want, right? Okay. Yeah, so That's whatever you cool. want. Um, I heard him read a really fun story yesterday with some fascinating uh, a dialect, which was really cool and, and well done. That was neat. He says, two excerpts of what he hopes will be his debut novel have been sold to the New Haven Review, which is Yale's Institute Librarian. Library and the Mystery Review. He's also sold poetry, fiction, and nonfiction to Tor, McSweeney's, Poker Prose World Series Edition, The Poets Market, Writer's Digest, and many similar markets. He's also the 2019 Artist in Residency for Spark and Echo, and he's been commissioned to write four short stories for them. And he's published work in many, many anthologies like Author in Progress, Harry Potter for Nerds, and Of Gods and Globes. And many more things that I think are going to come up as we talk some more. And at the end, we can fill everybody in on what we have coming up. And then down on the end is Phil DePardo, who's the director of the Science Fiction Association of Bergen County and the facilitator of its author group, The Writers of the Weird, of which I am a member. <laughs> he served as a member and officer of several other area science fiction groups and worked on local conventions. He currently moderates The Final Frontier, a sci-fi television discussion group, and he hosts the Armchair Odyssey, which is a monthly TV mini-binge, uh, <laughs> both activities of the SFABC. And that's a lot of fun because there's a bunch of things you haven't seen before that he'll put on like the first four shows of X season. And it's easy. You know, it, I like it when you make things easy for people because that's then they awesome. can catch up and do interesting things. It's like a cheesy movie. So let's, uh, let's do this. Let's talk a little bit about what book groups you're either in or you are aware of or familiar with, perhaps at your library uh, or such. And uh, tell us a little bit about what you've been doing with the book group. I'll just start off. I'm, I'm the moderator, so I'm not going to talk too much, although this is a topic near and dear to my heart. So I've been in the same book group for 22 years uh, with women from my town. 
who started it out of Newcomers Club, and they like to read literary fiction. They're all involved with library and such like that. So I have a spreadsheet that's seven pages long. If you think about 22 years times two books a year, I've read wow. like 200 literary fiction books. If you ask me what any of them are, I have to look at the list because I don't remember book titles. So, <laughs> can you tell us about book group stuff you're involved with? Uh, sure. Uh, we transitioned some of the members from our writers group into a book group as well to more study the writing technique of the books we were doing. Uh, it's a bit on hiatus right now because, well, it sort of died off. We're, so I'm coming at this more from a perspective of what does not work with the book group. Uh, we learned some very valuable, valuable lessons from that. Mm. That's a good thing to know. Uh, I'm in a book group with uh, some people called the Lady Sci-Fi Society, where we're all women that read uh, science fiction by women, and it's kind of this amorphous group that, like, whoever can show up, show up, shows up. So it can be anywhere from like five people to like twelve. <laughs> yeah, I've got a couple. Uh, one's actually uh, I got invited to by Emily. Monroe, who's in Of Gods and Globes. She is a curator at the Manhattan Children's Museum, uh, also a, a communications director, and she said, you got to come to Varsity Book Club. And I was like, what's that? And so I came, and it turns out it meets in the New York Times building, <laughs> and it's these people that have met for like 15 years, wow, yeah. literary fiction. So I, I, I've been able to kind of like uh, troll the group a little bit by injecting fiction they wouldn't normally read, like of a speculative nature, obviously. And then accidentally... Um, Dr. Cirilla, who's also in this volume, uh, found out that I hadn't read a bunch of the Western canon that he had. He's a Boethian scholar. And so he gave me this list, and I showed up to a brunch I was hosting at my house and, and said, hey, I'm going to read through these books, and like six New Yorkers were interested in it, and I accidentally started a, a Western <laughs> classics book club, So, uh, which has been difficult, but really, really good to be reading along. You know, New Yorkers are weirdly down for that, where if I did it in Joplin, Missouri, they'd have been like, why would you read that so anyway so I've got two of them I'll be pulling from well currently I am running two struggling book groups the uh, the Monsters of Horror book group which F, which originally started out as the vampire book group and we were meeting at Barnes and Noble and going back some years ago there was someone in Florida who was under the delusion that they were a vampire and killed someone, so Barnes & Noble told us that we could not be a vampire book group. Despite the fact that we were actually discussing the book 100 Vicious Vampire Stories at the time, so we transitioned to being uh, monsters of horror, so as long as it's got a vampire, a werewolf, or so on, it's in it. We also have a more general book group, the Fantastic Worlds book group. Both of these meet at two separate cafes, two separate Barnes & Noble. And I have run and been in many other book groups, uh, most of which through my group, the Science Fiction Association of Burton County, uh, and some ones outside of it as well. I think we talked a little bit about who sponsors our groups or how we, how we started and such. Um, Phil, that was interesting what you mentioned about being told you couldn't run a certain type of group. Do you guys have any opinions about uh, uh, the control of what you're reading by your uh, sponsoring organization if you have one, or are you? Have you seen anything like that? Well, I mean, there are two basic book groups, high types of book groups I see. One is a focused book group. You know, you're either in a, you, I know people who are in a general book group where every now and then they'll do a science fiction book. And I am interested in being in a science fiction book group because I'm a 
I'm busy, and this forces me to read at least 24 books a year. Up until a couple years ago, it was forcing me to read at least 36 books a year when I had a third book group going in, in the club. Uh, but it matters a great deal if you are doing a specifically science fiction or fantasy or horror book group versus a more general book group because with a more general book group, you can draw from a wider range of people, but oftentimes that wider range of people are not going to be interested in discussing any of that icky science fiction slash fantasy slash horror stuff. Mm -hmm. They want to read good books or... <laughs> I'm going to do air quotes around good books. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> That's reasonable. That's funny. Has anybody else had concerns with? Uh, we had more of an issue with members trying to police what we read than the organization sponsoring us. We were off on our own. Ah. Mm. That's, that's an interesting thing that I think we can talk about is how do you actually pick the books mm. um, that you read? And if you have a focused topic, uh, what, what was the approach that didn't work for trying to pick the books, Eric? Uh, the approach for us, we ended up having to go a lot more authoritarian because some of the members of our group were not as focused on the group as others. So they wanted to read something a little easier, something that wasn't quite as challenging, which is the same thing as a little easier, but... Um, <laughs> We had we knew what we were focusing on, and we had to try and make sure that we were staying on track with that, and not just going for whatever the flavor of the month was. Uh, we jumped around a lot of different genres to try and learn from it. So we had to go from top down, which didn't always work, but it kept us doing what we were doing. So, Lauren, how do you guys pick your books? Well. What didn't work was like that we were going to have a Google Sheets that people were going to put stuff in because then everyone lost the link and no one actually put stuff in the Google Sheets. <laughs> but um, so now we kind of just people come with like a couple of suggestions and it's usually, you know, between five to ten people there. So it's pretty easy to come to a consensus of like this one sounds good. That one sounds good. Um, we haven't read anything modern in a while. So let's read this one or we might decide like um, a lot of uh female written science fiction sometimes involves like some heavier scenarios so I'd be like okay no more forced birth books for a while like let's do something else <laughs> um, the quote unquote varsity book club which I'm using slightly sarcastically um, they, uh, they actually have a, like a long list kind of like you've got and of just a crazy amount of uh, books, mostly fiction, that they've read over the years, um, you know, the last 15, 20 years or whatever. So you're not allowed to pick from that list, and you have to have read the previous book and showed up at the last meeting in order to recommend a book the next time. And everyone that hasn't gone in the last cycle will throw their names into a hat, and then they'll draw a name, and that person will pick. Um, but it's funny because the group trends toward, like, middle-aged women, wealthier white women books of a literary nature that aren't this year published, but like popular over the last like couple of years. So it'll be, it'll have access in the library and won't be completely booked out. Um, so, you know, it's funny, like I had, I had three, I wasn't sure what was going to pick when it came my turn to pick. And two of them were like of the graphic novel, fantasy, sci-fi 
ilk and one was more literary. And uh, one of the gals was like, oh, we definitely need this one. I don't, I don't really read those two. And I was like, no, we should, we should read some of this. She's like, no, 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 we're not going to do that. She kind of got a little controlling about it and showed up. And she, we're sitting around, you know, she just talked about how much she hated graphic novels and such. And we were looking around. She says, so who's going to Comic-Con? <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why do we like graphic novels? So, yeah. yeah. So how does this, you know, and it was just like a cultural thing for her. Like okay. she's just interested in showing up. She's not actually um, interested in knowing the tradition or those sorts of things. So. So yeah. how do you guys go about picking books? The funnest way that we used to do, we, we, in our Manchester Horror Book Group was a thriving group. Uh, what we would do is we'd be discussing the current month. Well, we would normally be out a couple of months in advance so that people would know in advance. But so we would generally schedule about six, eight books in advance. But when it was time to work on another one, we would, at that particular discussion, We'd come to a certain break point and then say, okay, let's, and because we were doing this at Barnes and Noble, we'd say, okay, we're going to break now. Everyone go into the science fiction section and grab, look at the books that are there and grab a book that you'd like to discuss. That's cool. And then eight people would come back and bring two or three books each. We'd just show them around the table. You want to do this? Yeah, we want to do this? No. We'd come, you know, just talking, looking at book covers, looking at the book, back of the book jacket, talking among ourselves. We'd come up with a group consensus. And it was actually, when we've had enough people and motivated people, as a really fun way of choosing your books. And how often did you do that? Did you do that every month or No, no, we would, we would choose six to eight months in advance okay. so that, so that you know, if there were six of us at a given book group, for example, usually everyone would get to select, you know, one of the books from their pile. And some people would bring back ten books in their pile, hoping that one of these books would appeal to people. Because <laughs> we all have our own list of to be, to be read or want to be yeah, read. Yeah. And my group would do the same thing uh, every September. The group would get together. People would bring suggestions of what they wanted to read and we'd talk about them. We wouldn't even have a book to read that month because it would take so long to talk through them all. And some people had heard of them, some people hadn't. Um, and we made a point of trying to pick out of, you know, for the next six to eight months, we would pick one memoir kind of thing, one book from another culture, one book of short stories, and we would do that during the holidays so that if people didn't have time to read it during the holidays, you can at least talk about the first couple short stories if you got through a few of those. And that was also a really nice thing because then I had my book group list when the holidays came around, I was able to tell my family this is what I'd like for the holidays. <laughs> so I, I recommend that as for and such. But it, it is very important, I think, yeah. uh, to make sure that some people are not dominating the discussion for everybody and telling everybody what to read. And I, yeah. I think we've seen that that can be an issue. Um, my, my group happens to internally say, you know, Carol, you haven't suggested something for a while. So uh, one of the memoirs that I'm reading for another book I'm writing, we're going to be covering next month. So mm. we sort of internally police that, but that's because we've known each other for a long time. Um, mm -hmm. Some people don't like to speak up, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's important. And it also helped when we have a spreadsheet of it to keep track of who recommended it because then we can start to see a pattern. Mm -hmm. um, that's one of the yeah. things I, I recommend for groups that are starting is to keep a list from the beginning because yeah. we had to go back and compile this from when we had our 20th anniversary. We had to go back and cobble it together from scraps of paper and handouts mm -hmm. and emails that we made and there's um, it's missing. We don't know what we read in 1999. Um, <laughs> <laughs> such like that. So... How about the logistics of, of, of actually doing doing the group? How do you set your dates? How do you keep in touch and let people know what's coming up? Uh, how, how, what's a good way to do that or a bad way? 
based on what your experience has been. Do you want to let's start with the let's start with Eric because we could be better. Okay. Uh, just calendar invites. It's amazing what technology can do to keep you on track. Um, having it the same day every month, like second Sunday or whatever we did. Uh, yeah, uh, it helps if you're in contact with people on a regular basis, which is what our group was. So we always were like, hey, see you on Sunday. Oh, Sunday's the group. Crap, I gotta start reading. So. <laughs> there's, there's binge read the day before. Right? Yes. <laughs> We used to have a Facebook group, but then we're all trying to leave Facebook, so now it's a Google group. And for the dates, we usually will do, we'll have like, we try to do it every six weeks. So like at the meeting, we'll be like, all right, so it'll be sometime in early May. And then, you know, a couple of weeks beforehand when people's schedules are more set, they'll set around a doodle poll. And then it's just whichever day the most people can make. Oh, okay. And Doodle's an app that lets people sign up for when they are or are not available, right? Yeah, it's like yeah. a website you can go to and you just put in your name and some whoever is hosting, because at the end of the last meeting we'll decide who's hosting, because we have it at each other's houses, which is nice because, you know, then you don't have to pay for coffee or, you know, take up uh, space at a bar that have to keep buying drinks or whatever. Um, although, yes, there's drinks. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so then people can just... The person that's hosting will put in a set of dates that works for them and people will check off which ones they can do. Yeah, I'd second doodle. And I would also, you know, the, the consistent day, especially if you're working with like artistic types, is like, okay, third Saturday or whatever, we like are always meeting doing this thing. It just kind of locks in and habituates it. And then after about, you know, six or seven months of that, it's kind of there. Um, the other thing that's helped us is, is choosing the next meeting at the last one. And also knowing, this is specifically for the Western Western Cannonball uh, reading group is, yeah. I love the name. Which, well, we record it too, and most of the books we haven't read, so the discussions get kind of wild. But um, we know six books out what we're going to read. So if you get a short one like Boethius or Cosmographia, and then the next one's Ovid's Metamorphosis, you can kind of read three months ahead and, and know these are the dates. Uh, so that's helpful. Well, this goes beyond what Carol's question was, but this might be a good time to introduce something that I wanted to bring up. Uh, there are a lot of factors that come into who you're going to be drawing to your group, which in turn is going to be impacting on how your group is going to work. Uh, what is your venue going to be? Is it going to be a public place or a private place? Is it going to, what day of the week is it going to be? Is it going to be on a weekday or weekend? If it is on a Friday or a Saturday, you may be, you're going to be locking out people who are religiously observant for Jews. Um, yeah. Time. If you're doing it during a weeknight, do you do it immediately after work, or do you let people go home and then come back after eating to your book group? Or serve dinner. Oh, I'll, I'll come to that book group. <laughs> uh, what is the accessibility? Are people coming to your car, uh, to your group via mass transit, or are people coming to your group by car? If they're coming, if the mass transit isn't so good, what is the parking like? These are things that are non-book things, but are really important as far as who can make your book group. Uh, something else has come really become a, uh, a source of interest for our people in my book groups is 
how, what is the platform for the books? In other words, I like to have physical books. Some people like to have e-books. Some people like to have uh, audio books. Some people want to have books that are in the library so that they don't have to go out and buy the book. It's and, expensive, yeah. Mm -hmm. And are you themed or a general book? Are you more of a structured or a casual group? Are you you can do book groups online? Uh, there are also two book groups that I know about. They're science fiction book groups that combine it with a movie, where they do it at a library, and then they will show they will show Charlie the movie Charlie, and then discuss the story in this particular case. Well, it was novelized, Flowers for Algernon. Mm -hmm. uh, so these are some of the things that, you, that, that come into play on whether or not your book group is going to track people, if it's going to be at a convenient time and place for your people, and what kind of people you're going to be getting at your group. Those are all excellent points. And that's the kind of stuff that we can send around too, right? Yeah, well, um, if you guys want to drop us your email, we're going to compile a bunch of resources about book groups, and also we're recording this, so we can send that out to you if you want to give me your email afterwards, but we can... I that. put a sign up here if you want to sign up after. Feel free to, to give us your email. We'll send out uh, some of our lists and such. So let's talk about how do you prepare for the meeting itself. Do you do anything in, in preparation? Do you... My book group, for example, assigns somebody to do research and present some information about the author. Mm. Do you guys do any kind of prep for it, or do you let everybody bring their own discussion? What's, what's your approach? Uh, our book group, like I said, was focused on the style of writing of the books we were reading, uh, what we could learn from it. So we all went in with that focus, and that's when we were done with that, we got into the fun stuff, like what we liked, what we didn't like, that sort of thing, the themes. Uh, so preparation was Snacks, mostly. Snacks are very important for a book group. I don't think that can be overstated. <laughs> yeah. That's quite true. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys do preparation? Um, not really, other than snacks. Um, sometimes, like, a topic that's involved in the book, uh, people will have some outside information on or happen to have looked up of, like, if it's a book about AIs, there's a couple of people in the group that work in the tech field, so they'll be able to supply information like, yeah, that's not how that works. <laughs> um, but no, we don't do any requisite research. Um, well, I mean, the most obvious prep is actually finish the book, please. <laughs> like, you know, like, which seems an obvious thing. We actually had one in, when I was in Missouri where, where uh, during the discussion time, you weren't allowed to talk unless you actually finished the thing. Um, but also, like, you know, versions, uh, especially for the Western Classics Book Club, is, is interesting because you, you debates automatically start up over translations of words and those sorts of things. Reading the introduction ahead of time um, creates really impassioned discussion over topics we didn't know that we disagreed on. So, uh, yeah. Please, just read the book. <laughs> <laughs> That's important. In my book group, you, you can still attend if you haven't read the book, but you have to be aware that you're going to get spoilers and you have to be yeah. willing to let the discussion take place. You can't say, don't talk about the ending because you know what else should have read the book. <laughs> That's only fair. Um, how about when, when we're actually there and we're doing the, di the discussion, what about the criticism of the book? Uh, is useful. You, you talked about the style a little bit. What, what do you guys talk about for that? 
Uh, basically, any little narrative tricks we've, used, we've noticed that we can use in our own work. Uh, just cool little things we've, not we've saw while reading. Uh, we read Simon versus the Homo Sapien Agenda and just really focused in on how, he built, or how she built the relationships between the characters and how smoothly that went and tried to dissect exactly how that worked. Uh, we all really liked the book, so that really wasn't an issue, but there are a couple little details that we really just had to zoom in on because that's what we find interesting. Are, are you guys mostly writers or readers or a mix or what's, uh, what's uh, your Technically writers, uh, some of them more so than others, but yeah, we pulled from our writing group because we realized, hey, you can't really be a writer if you don't read, but this is what we're going to focus on and that's what we went for. usually find it really helpful to be considering context when we're talking like we'll have different points to make um, we're gonna have different criticisms about a book written now obviously than a book written in the 1970s when like um, you know like Ursula K. Le Guin maybe has like this thing that she could have worked on and things like that but it's like well she was one of the only women writing then so you can't necessarily falter for having to write for a different audience that may not have been accepting to her as being a woman science fiction writer versus like now. Um, so that's a thing that we keep in mind when making our criticisms. Um, I think it's helpful, um, well for starters, a lot of you are writers in the group. I, I don't think it can be overstated how helpful sometimes reader and book club guides in the back of your book can be. Even if your editor or publisher like didn't ask for it to like put it in there anyway to spark discussion, I think that's actually really really helpful, uh, especially certain books you know that you miss pieces or whatever. Um, and I'd steer you away from being like overly pedantic with that, like aiming for like a third grade audience, because even in a young adult novel, sometimes you'll have you know the Varsity Book Club read a, <laughs> uh, a you know a young adult novel recently, and the lively discussion came out of that. The other piece is. is on the kind of interpretive move or the, the higher critical move, um, first, like you said, like context, like literary historical cultural context, like just basic interpreting texts. So like what is the author actually intending to convey here? What's their background? Um, where does this fit in the trilogy? Like, or, you know, those sorts of questions are interesting, but also like the moral component. Uh, some of the best discussions we've had and this is in one of the documents we'll end up sending out, but one of, one of the best discussions we've had is what ought we do in light of this book? Like we were so sad after having read it that we all wanted, we all felt moved to do something. Um, the other piece is like the allegorical side, which authors tend to hate, but it, you know, there's platonic truths to get at um, that can engender, you know, more interesting philosophical discussions and then uh, more the anagogical <laughs> side of like what we're aiming at, what kind of society we want to build in the long term. Well, I think the simple truth is that different people like different books for different reasons. Yeah. There are people who are really plot-driven and they like to read books with strong plots. There are people that like to read books with strong characters. Uh, there are people that like books that are very black and white as far as the morality. There are people who love shades of gray. There are people that like to have anti-heroes. There's groups, there are people that do not like books that have anti-heroes. So uh, I'm not sure what the question was that I'm starting to answer, but, <laughs> but, but I think that it's something worth saying despite that. Yeah, no, that's cool. 
one of the things I find a benefit from the, the uh, sci-fi group, Phil, is that you and some of the other members have an extensive knowledge of science fiction beyond even you know what I have, and that's I find really helpful to draw from the other people in the group in terms of the context of the book and, and such like that. So I, I think that's a neat thing to talk about with different different folks because they've all read different books and, and such like that. Yeah. Particularly when he started, because I hadn't been reading any literary fiction for a while. So yeah, yeah. That was a good thing to talk about. Um, let, me, let me jump back to something that um, uh, uh, I thought I had talked about in an email before this. You were talking about looking at old books versus new books and such. What, what, what was your thought about that? So, um, <laughs> yeah. So, Obviously, I'm in these two very, very different book clubs, and I've read a lot of books I would not have encountered otherwise if people hadn't recommended them. Um, and I find that, and this is going to be hard to say to a room full of authors and as an author, but I find that old books are actually better than new books, not because there's anything inherently good about being an old book, but because we no longer have their peers. So all of the people that published alongside Homer, for instance, no longer exist. We only have those two books of the eight-book epic cycle. Those are the ones that lasted. So that's the, that has shown that they've kind of been cold, um, which has this inherent effect of like, you know, a filtering effect. Cause there's just so many books out there. How, you know, what kind of filter can we use? Well, one of them is the past. That's actually really helpful because, uh, because you know, that's one of the best ways of, of finding what are, what are the best out there. Um, there's a really great article by CS Lewis on this called on reading old books. And it's in, it's a really obscure article in his foreword to a book by Athanasius. Um, but it, it made a really compelling argument and made me feel like that's a huge blind spot that I had, which kind of ended up starting that book club accidentally. Um, so. That's similar advice that I got for writing a nonfiction book. Uh, go and look at books from five years ago that sold a lot of copies and have great reviews, and those are the ones that stand out in people's minds as the ones yeah. that have had value and then lasted. So and make your book like theirs or prove why it's different, right? Yeah. Have you guys done anything about actually speaking to authors with your groups? Nope. No. But one of the groups we used to have was an author discussion group, which was not a book discussion group, but every month we would do, you know, start with Isaac Asimov, then move to Ray Bradbury, then oh, Odyssey wow, Clark. Cool. So uh, you had to, you know, you obviously had to choose writers who had enough works that they hadn't, weren't just a flash in the pan one book thing. But it was, it allowed people to uh, bring in a lot of different works. And also, sometimes writers write very different styles and types of books. Michael Moorcock, for example, the Jerry Cornelius books are nothing like the Elric books, are nothing like Gloriana, are nothing like to be continued. Uh, so, and you can actually, and you can actually even do a combination because you can say, okay, we're going to discuss the works of Arthur C. Clarke today, but we will also be focusing on Rendezvous with Ramos. So we'd like to spend a little bit more time with that book, but we also want to talk about all of his other stuff because a lot of times you can see recurrent themes that even in even in unrelated or, or even in non-series books, which recur through the writers. Uh, Work. That's cool. 
I got to do something um, with my book group. A friend of mine knew an author who had a book that was suitable for us, and she was willing to Skype into our book group. So I took the TV and I put it up on the dining room table, and oh, she cool. was live on the TV as we sat in a circle. And it made me a little nervous because what if people didn't like the book? <laughs> and the writer is right there, but you know, it turns out that it, it went rather well. That's cool. Uh, yeah, it was did, really cool. Did you guys have? Any experience? Well, not exactly like that, but my, okay, so this is going to take a little bit of background, but my, my, my bride, when she was 15 years old, her body attacked her pancreas and killed off all her beta cells. So she became a type one diabetic, a juvenile onset um, thing. So she has a bionic pancreas, uh, like a, like a Medtronic pump and delivers her insulin by hand. Um, and we were at um, the Housing Works bookstore down in in Soho and and there was a reading by some tour authors and uh, a lady was there who was talking about this world in which uh, this girl was dying but it turns out she's just from another planet and she said it's kind of like you know having an autoimmune disorder and she pulled out her pump and gave a correction and so Tara went up to her and started talking about type 1 diabetes uh, mm -hmm. and got really engaged and from that we ended up you know having this book discussion we had the whole discussion uh, and then we had about 30 minutes left and then Tara added that piece in that came out of the author's life like uh, this might be a reflection on, on a you know chronic illness um, which kind of added an, another element to that mm -hmm. the, the book was called Magonia uh, and it's really 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 good um, sort of as an offshoot of this question our group actually grew out of a novel writing group that we had together and during the months where we didn't have novels to critique we did the book group but in the novel writing group, obviously the author is going to be there while you critique the piece. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I don't know, did you feel like it stifled debate at all, having the author there? Were you worried about hurting her feelings at all? Yeah. I, I was worried about her feelings being hurt, but it turns out, you know, that the book was okay. I, I almost felt like I was going to ask everybody ahead of time, you know, Just okay. are you going to kill her? Are you going to, you know, it was, it was quite suitable for, for our group and discussion. It was well liked. Yeah, it, it was an interesting thing. I, I had a couple of critique groups, uh, and just like you say, you, you have to be prepared for positive and negative feedback, and you want both you know, mm -hmm. when, you're, when you're writing the book. But when you've already written it and you've published it, that's a little bit of a different thing. So yeah, that made me a little nervous. It's almost like play testing a game. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like yeah. board game. Do a pilot. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a neat way for people to reach out to an audience. And, Certainly, if I remembered people's names, I would tell you all about her, but <laughs> I am very bad at that. <laughs> so, um, how, about, how about other things that you do with your groups? Now, are you going to try and get this one going more active again, Eric? What are you going to try and do? Uh, we're in the process of restructuring. Uh, ah. At the moment, it's basically a book group of two with me and my friend Carolyn back there. She's hiding. I okay. guess. <laughs> so, we knew what we wanted the group to be, and not everyone was on board with what we were trying to do and how intense we were trying to be. So I think it's just a question of what compromises you're willing to make to have a larger group. Mm -hmm. And yeah. mm -hmm. uh, it turns out we were not willing to make that compromise, but we're, see we're trying to branch out again, get more people reading the books we're reading. So, mm -hmm. what, what do you think is an ideal size for a group? Uh, seven at the most and more than that. And you're mm -hmm. talking about sprawl. <laughs> There's only so much room in a living room, and someone's got to get the bad chair. <laughs> yeah, somebody gets one with the flimsy bad. Yes. What about you guys? What do you think about a size for a group? Do you have different experience? I mean, I think that part of the strength of the group is that 
it doesn't always have to be everybody there and so it can be 6 to 12 so that way it's like there's a lot more people in it than are actually at a given meeting but that means that like we're not on hold for three months because we can't find a date that works for like you know 15 people mm -hmm. um so yeah i feel like five or six seems like a good discussion size a little bit less is fine a little bit more is fine because then it's it's a good dynamic size um, I find, yeah, generally that's the case. Um, so, some of these have a list as long as like 50 mm -hmm. people or so, but only like roughly that many end up reading the book every time. So it's kind of a different experience every time. Um, but I also have the experience of, of the book club in, in Missouri we had. Um, we lived in, a, we w lived in a country house that was 3,000 square foot and 400 bucks a month versus 400 square feet in Brooklyn. So they're like, we could fit a lot more people. And there was a large open space where they knocked out the wall. And there were times where we had probably 25 people meeting. And th uh, that was like 2010 when Ready Player One came out, which was like fiery discussion. Uh, you know, you had a lot of Gen Xers in the room, different things. So, um, so yeah, so it can be good. It's just a very different dynamic than you would have in a more intimate group. That's a lot of chairs too. Yeah, a lot of couch space. Ah. I don't even have a couch cool. anymore. What do you think about size, Phil? Size of the group? If you're going to have a book group of more than, let's say, seven or eight people in it, you have to have a strong moderator that can keep order. Now, I have been in groups where there was a strong moderator and could keep a discussion going between a dozen and 15 people. But I'd say yeah. that's, that, but that's, if you don't have that, then you have problems. Yeah. Uh, also, because I don't know that we're going to be getting to this, I will mention that I have a list of area book groups. I know that these conventions, there's people coming from all over the place, but I do know of a number of book groups that are specifically science fiction, fantasy horror book groups that are in the New York, New Jersey area. So if we don't get to that, I don't think that people are going to want me to read a list of things, but people, anyone in the audience can come up to me afterwards and get some information. Okay. Or you can also put your email down and we can send it out if you want to do that too. Uh, that's cool, thank you. Um, there's a topic about reading an outline before reading in full that I thought I'd mentioned. Can you talk about that a little bit? I'm not sure what you mean by that. Um, anyone else have that experience? Okay, so the, um, there's a great book called The Book of Memory. It's about the medieval understanding of how you remembered things. And um, so like Basil the Great would actually do prime number calculation in his head. The way he would do that is through the method of Loki, which they use in memorization tournaments. And he would envision each prime number as a mile marker out, right? And he could, he could just like say, okay, this mile marker plus this mile marker equals that mile marker and just do prime number calculation. Um, so that system also oriented around like the outline system where like if you read Aquinas' Summa, you'll get things in outline and then the chapter. And so we've actually found it for these Western classics books, uh, often helpful to like read the wiki or read the spark notes ahead of time, just like you would for like the opera or something, and then go back and read the book be because sometimes the cultural way of writing is very different and it'll, it kind of, it, it orients you so you know, okay, here's where I am in the story and, and helps you, it pulls you further into the story rather than out. So I, find, I, I guess a short way of saying that is sometimes spoilers are good. Uh, yeah. That's interesting. That's cool. Uh, do you guys, you guys have experience with so many different groups. Do you have some other things to, to chat about that we haven't covered so far? 
One was uh, mentioned in passing, but I wanted to go back to it, both to get input from panelists, but also people, the audience may have some input, <clears throat> which is to say, how do you publicize, how do you draw people to your book group? Now in Eric's case, Eric started with a group that already knew themselves, who were writers, so he had a built-in audience. But he's also mentioned that you're down to two people, and how are you going to go about finding people to replenish your numbers? One of the reasons, with the book groups that I do, we're, we, we have the resource, which is to say we're a science fiction club that are sponsoring these things. So it gives us a potential pool. And also because we're holding our book groups at Barnes & Noble, we are in a bookstore. Sometimes people just go by the table and spot us. And when Barnes & Noble, in those halcyon days, when Barnes & Noble was not under such financial pressure from Amazon, they actually had uh, calendar events that would be at the store. They would have signage. They would have an events coordinator. All of those things have now gone, would do press releases. But the whole, I, the whole idea of where do you make contact with people, I think is a very important one within your, within your group. Now, there are, and one of the ways that, besides being within a science fiction club, there are a number of book groups that are held at a, at a place like a library, so the library is doing some of your promotion for you, but also there are groups uh, on Meetup, which is there anyone that's not familiar with the Meetup platform? Okay, either everyone is or people are too shy to appear stupid before the group, but there are a number of different book groups which exist only on Meetup, which is to say they were, they started up on Meetup and they're meeting at a physical spot. Then there are other things like, for example, there's a library in Rockland County that the New City Library, which has the Other Worlds book group, and they started out as a library book group. And then they came up with, to supplement that for publicity purposes, they started up a Meetup to promote that specific thing. And it's a way that people can find out about you. And of course, you can do the same thing with a Facebook group, but the mechanics work a bit different from that. And there are other ways as well, but how do you, you know, besides I've spoken and Eric's spoken, but how do the rest of you find people to come to your book groups? Any thoughts? I mean, for us, it was just word of mouth that started because someone just talked to a bunch of different people from different friend circles and was like, I want to start a um, feminist science fiction book group. She actually doesn't come anymore because she's a lot busier, but, and then because of that, she talked to a lot of people in the art world. I started talking to a bunch of people in the library world and then like other people joined and talked to a bunch of people in their circle about how fun it was. So it's turned into this weird thing where like you're in a room and it's like three people are librarians, three people are visual artists and two people work in tech and like, it's funny. So more like word of mouth. <laughs> That's uh, mine had started from the Newcomers Club, which was sponsored by the YWCA. And uh, at the end of the first year, we realized we were doing great. We had enough members. And if we open it up to new people the next year, we'd have too many. So we just mm -hmm. sort of seceded our group. And a new book, book group started up the next year. And we've been going for all these years. But as people drift away, we've had friends brought in. And I think that's an interesting, it's a different kind of dynamic when it's people that you know or uh, that somebody knows 
that's different from inviting total strangers into your group because you have an idea of what the people are like or what they may be like to work with and such, but if it's uh, people from the public coming in, you actually never know who you're gonna get, and sometimes you can get a problem member. Has anybody had any issues with that? Yeah, that's something I actually wanted to ask the group about. Uh, that's partly what killed our group. We had one member, I mean, you. I'm not saying this is our member, but everyone knows that when someone comes in and they have a certain odor, or they dominate the conversation, or their opinions are not just wrong, they're offensive, that sort of thing. Uh, that's partly what killed our group, so I'm very open to ideas. Any other experience with that, or thoughts, or...? Well, once again, it comes down to who is the who is the person or committee running the group, and someone has to be the bad guy and say either clean up your act or don't come back. And I have jettisoned people that I feel just are antithetical to the to. I'm not speaking specifically in book groups because I run a number of other types of groups too. But there are people who are this group is trying to do X. This person is antithetical to doing that. Either change or don't come back. And I'll be the bad guy. And you're good at that, though. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> for a nice guy, you're very good at that. Uh, <laughs> any other thoughts on that? How, how about you folks? You're uh, here because you're interested in book groups. Are you in a book group? Are you? Can you tell us about what you're doing with stuff? Yeah. I'm here. I'm librarian. I inherited a book group when the person who started it retired. It's a very. I mean, I inherited it in September. The smallest group we had was 17, and the biggest was 31. Wow. So, I mean, my main problem in picking books is are there enough copies available in the system? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What library system? Uh, Yonkers. Google Libraries. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. share with everyone. That's good. 
Are there other people in book groups? What's your What's your group like? Well, I'm part of a local science fiction group, and we get 30, 40 people for the meeting. I announce when the book discussion is going to be and what the book is, and then only one or two people show up for the book discussion. Okay. So I'm wondering, since there's an audience there who are already at the meeting because they like science fiction, why can't I get more of them to show up for the book discussion? One thought, it could be the amount of time that they need to spend in, in one yeah. spot to do that. Because, you know, we, we have that with the sci-fi group. You know, there's meetings ahead for uh, the sci-fi, but I, I can't get there for that long anymore. So that could be one thought. And the other thought could be, you know, which books you're picking. You know, do you want to open it up to the group to pick or and see if you get more interest that way? I don't know. It can, you guys have other thoughts? It can also be frequency of meeting. Um, like the the more literary one meets every two months rather than every month. The Western classics one, we have to pace based on the book. So the Iliad is a slog. <laughs> it is an absolute slog. And bored me out of my gourd and I got to the end of it and I wept harder than I ever had in any book. I was like, oh, this is why it's classic, you know? So, uh, but you need to allow time for that. So and I think Eric was gonna say something. What kind of snacks are you serving? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's important. Another thing is the length of the book. I have developed what I call the toaster test, which is to see we do not want to do Game of Thrones at our book groups because lots of people are not going to have time to read a thick book. In my, in my ideal world, if a book is thin enough, as if it's an out of mass market paperback, and if you can drop it into your toaster yeah. and it fits, then that meets the criteria. I think Ray Bradbury wrote a book about that. Yeah. That's funny. So you read Christie fiction. Yeah. Do you have a book group or a thought? Mm -hmm. uh, so some, in one of the book clubs that I'm in, uh, the people who belong to the book club nominate books, and then we talk about the three, let's say, or four books that are nominated, and then we vote mm -hmm. on, and the two highest are discussed again, but it's for further ahead, so that it would be like the third month from then that one of those books would be chosen, and not until the next meeting do you choose between the, the two. Uh, so you have it's like a rolling kind of a rolling choice. kind of thing, and you have more involvement because the people help choose the books. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, and, and that also gives them a little to nominate a book. Yeah, it's interesting, and it also gives them a little longer to know what's coming up. So some people need to, you know, take more than a month to read a book. Right. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting thought. Yeah. So I belong.
yeah, also something is that because I'm doing science fiction genre books, where most of what's being printed today is in series, what we do is if we're doing a book which is a series, if we do it in June 2015, book one, in June 2016, we'll do book two in June 2017. So we're like, I think, eight books into Mercy, into the Mercy Thompson series by Patricia Briggs. And, and then sometimes book series get less interesting. We did the first, I think, three books in, in the Odd Thomas series, and we thought, we thought the fourth book was a real letdown, and we're probably going to stop with that, but we'll give it something for something else by Kuntz a try. Mm -hmm. And also something nice is, you know, if you come to the end of a series, then okay, well, it's a time for us to try something new. Uh, and also something is, I personally like short stories. I like to add short story collections at, among our reading, but there are some people that I know, if we're going to do a short story collection, they're not going to be there. Yeah, or, or graphic novels and, you know, same, same kind of thing. But to, to speak to kind of what you guys said about uh, ownership and having people in that, uh, we, have, we have a guy that goes to our Western Classics book club who's great, hilarious. He's, he's like a young, joyful Jerry Seinfeld. Um, <laughs> and, but his, his life partner is a very violent third wave uh, feminist who refuses to read the books and she said I'm not going to read any books by any men um, because I don't think they have anything to offer and she said if it, if it was written before the 20th century I'm not going to read it and I said well don't you know about the tradition of women writers you know like Sappho and the Bronte sisters and it's just started, we started listing names she said well no and I said well we're going to do a year of women after this and so she's totally on board now um, you know so it's, it is that kind of ownership thing she had she had a say in that so it's going to be I'm, lo I'm looking forward to it just as much you know because there's a mm -hmm. huge tradition of women writers throughout history so um, yeah. yes so uh, forgive me if this was asked already oh that's fine so many people have um, these long reading lists now with different platforms that we can access literature from where I have you know a whole shelf of I need to read these so how do you sell someone on hey come to my come to our book club, we're going to read this book a month, and kind of supersede that reading list. How do you sell them on the book, modern book club? That's an interesting question. Everybody's got a list. If it topples over, it would kill us, right? Yeah. <laughs> do you guys have thoughts on how to do that? Uh, community, mostly. Uh, we yeah. started as a group of friends, and you just have to make sure you're keeping it interesting for your friends. Um, having someone to talk to about a book makes a book infinitely better. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a completely different experience from reading in a vacuum because we've all yes. had that moment where we're finished reading a book and no one we know has read it and we yes. just want to talk about it. Yes. So emphasizing that talking about it is going to make it better. And I... snacks. <laughs> <laughs> That's the answer. That's the answer. Are there other thoughts about that? I mean, yeah, it's it's like give and take as well like your reading list you read something off of your giant reading list the next week you read something off of someone else's giant reading list and eventually everyone gets to have one less of the to be read pile <laughs> gone <laughs> yeah and you're, so so yeah so community and then and then you're actually working through your reading list with other people which is kind of the master's class environment like that's what that is you know but the other piece is especially if you're meeting every other month you're only reading six books a year, and most people can read more than that. So it's really like, 
the time commitment's not that much. And what you're gaining is community, you know, discussion over the books that are already on your list. If you're if you're collaboratively building lists and snacks, like I said. So. <laughs> also, there is just serendipity, serendipity and anti-serendipity in the world. When we started the Vampire Book Group, we were doing some great books and we were having three people showing up and we were going to get getting kind of discouraging. Someone would show up and they would never come back. And then for one month, out of the blue, four new people showed up who stuck with the group for years and it the stars aligned. Someone sacrificed a rooster to the great god Toho. <laughs> I don't but uh, there was no reason I could determine. It just happens. Which is why right now we're, our book groups are in kind of a low peak. But I've been doing this for many years and my feeling is if you just keep your if you just keep the game going, eventually it will turn around and bounce back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the serendipity happens sometimes too when you have just read something off of your to be read list and then the next week they pick that and you're like, sweet, I can have a free month that I can read something else because I already read it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I have two thoughts. One is a, a deadline. You know, we tend to do something and get it done. If there's a deadline, we're going to read this, talk about it on, you know, thus and such a date. And the other is we talked a little bit about how you pick your books in, in your book group. So if, if you let people bring their list of to be reads to the group and then share them on that, that's one way. And one other thing that my group does is uh, for the month of August, you know, many people are on vacation during then, so we didn't assign a particular book. We let everybody come and talk about whatever book they had been reading so that they could share what they liked and didn't like about it. And that was kind of neat, too, because it gave us exposure to books we hadn't read. And that could be something that a group could do, uh, you know, come talk about something off of my to-be-read pile that I actually accomplished. So that could be neat. And one thing that we do uh, as our Every year, the activities are is the best books we read this past year, uh, which can be we start off with the books that were done at our book groups, but then it's okay. We'll talk about this, you know, these books. Then what else did you read that was really good this year? And then everyone gets to bring in their their favorites. That's cool. Other thoughts and questions, or? Well, there's something else that my town does that is really fun. I, uh, for 20-something years, I lived in the town of Ridgewood in New Jersey. And town-wide, they've started doing something where they declare a book for the town to read. So anybody who's interested can read this. And there's discussions at the library and such like that. But also, when you get together with other people who have been doing this for coffee or you run into them or whatever, it's like, oh, did you read that book? And you have something to talk about, which is a really cool thing. You know, the library does some stuff. And they also have a, a, a Richard Authors Luncheon every year, and they bring in somebody that the author of Pachinko was just there. And, and unfortunately, I missed her, but one of my friends said it was the best author luncheon that they've seen. Her, her discussion was just fabulous. And so uh, there's 500 people in the audience listening to this author, and, and just about everybody has read that book. And that's a really neat way for the community to come together yeah. and have something in common and, and learn something different. So. Uh, you know, that may be something on a wider scale that a community could do if it's you know, a local-based thing. So that's not a thought. I'd say, too, um, well, the, there's one book in New York where they're doing that. They're getting ready to vote yeah. on f uh, five women authors, and, and one book will reign the champion of all women authors. <laughs> no, they, um, they <laughs> fight to the death. Um, they're, you know, everyone will be reading that. But, but, it, but kind of along those same lines, you know, in terms of reading reflectively in a group, a, a big piece of that is actually rereading. So uh, sometimes 
I've uh, been a part of groups that will give it two months and the first month you read once and then you read it again, second month and then come having read it twice. Um, you know, Stephen King says a, a good book stands up to two readings, one for the heart and one for the head. And, um, you know, another way to do that is to revisit your favorite books, which we'll probably do with the Western classics one is, you know, we'll come back to hopefully not the Iliad, but, <laughs> uh, but, you know, the Epic of Gilgamesh or something and, and revisit it after it's kind of, you know, marinated for a few years, um, more months. Do you guys discuss it the first month or just... Uh, oh, yeah. Well, in, in that instance, that was, you know, kind of have a impassioned, how did you feel about this? And then more of a rational, what did you draw out of this in terms of symbolism or those sorts of things? Um, but that, you know, that was only a few times on that. That's really kind of interesting because then when you go back to reread it, you've had the input from the other yeah. participants and you may look at things differently than you would have otherwise. So that's a cool idea. And you also made the point that you don't have to like the book to make a good book discussion. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. one book that nobody liked, but you've got a really good discussion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I actually have a problem with that. I agree. But um, we have a member who's very high functioning autistic, and he doesn't like the book. Yeah, I don't know that I anticipated how much sex and violence was going to be in the classics. <laughs> but man, there are a lot of ways to kill people in the elite. Like every single hero has to be, you know, have his unique place he was stabbed in the most painful way to die every time. And they're all different. Uh, wasn't really an issue for our group because as a writing group, we turn February into porn month every year. <laughs> So because we knew what we were getting into. Outside or, or Valentine's Day. We felt it was appropriate. Okay. So. I get it. <laughs> so we knew what we were getting into with the group. Because I mentioned Meetup earlier, I did want to say that with Meetup, if you do a book group and you publicize through Meetup, there's two things to be aware of. One is that you get a huge number of people joining your meetup group that will never show up at your event. Just because there's some people, you know, like Hank Smith of the Philadelphia Science Fiction Society, he is in every meetup group on the East Coast that has to do with gaming, anything, if it can be wrong, and he does says, I'm from the Philadelphia Science Fiction Society, we do this in his introduction, and so we, he's there everywhere, but he's not going to be showing up at book groups in New Jersey. And so the other thing with Meetup, which is a really annoying thing for if you're really organizing, is you will find that you have 10 people who click that they are going, 
and two people will show up. This is, this is something that is beyond my understanding. I don't mind people not showing up if they're not gonna be going. Why do people click going and then not show it? it and the fortunately, this has really never come shiny. to a problem for me. <laughs> not a problem for me, but I know people who have organized events at restaurants where they've told people there's going to be 25, 23 people showing up and five people show up. And this totally poisons your relationship. Or, well, the mod, the organizer can remove anyone that they want from a group. And in fact, there had been the New York, the previous people that were running the New York sci-fi and fantasy group. There's two groups with very similar names, but they used to do this. Uh, 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 format where if you said you were going to something and you didn't, then you had to pay the next time you showed up. Now that administration is no longer there, that's not part of the thing, and I think it was because people would just not be bothered with it, they'd either, sh they'd either show up or they just, okay, well, you know, I'll just drop out of the group. There's a function as a meetup organizer too, um, where you can mark them as no-shows, because they'll show, they show, mm -hmm. no. going to say something to the three and I don't know if there's more but librarians in the group just thank you guys um, really really like some of the best recommendations we've gotten have been from librarians and you know Neil Gaiman says that Google can give you you know five 
gajillion answers, but a librarian can give you the right one. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and it's been my experience that like librarians have sometimes sent me on wild goose chase and rabbit trails, but they've always been the right detours. So, um, so thank you guys for that because they've made book clubs better for, at least in my experience. The kind of obvious thing is that people are different. In a book group, I will often mark sections of a book where when we come to the book group, I say, I think this is some lovely writing, and I will read a couple of sentences, a paragraph that I, you know. Mm -hmm. And I have someone else in the group whose attitude is, I already read this. I don't need yeah. you to read it to me again. <laughs> I'm not going to try and guess who that is. <laughs> <laughs> Public readings are another interesting way to get a, a, an idea of books coming up. You know, there's a lot of places where authors will go and read their work out loud, and I find it a really handy way to get a little sample of what they, they write before you invest all the time to, to read a whole book. So that's another thing I think to keep an eye on. Uh, you know, book groups, sometimes book groups can go out and do things together themselves. Our, our group will go to see a movie and then listen to the, you know, talk about the book afterwards and read the same book, or you know, we started going to musicals and plays and, and things like that, and that's kind of fun too. You know? and we also went out and had a celebratory 20th anniversary dinner, oh. which was very cool, and everybody wore literary type of uh, silly things, so that was fun. Awesome. <laughs> Were you about to say something, or are you just thinking? Uh, we've done the same thing where if we know a book has turned into a movie, we watch the movie after the book discussion and that leads Ooh, to more discussion cool. and that's really fun. We've done that with Simon versus the Homo Sapien Agenda and Annihilation. And Annihilation was kind of a mindfuck with the two plots in the movie and the book. That's great. Do, do you watch every adaptation? No. Okay, good. Because it would be problematic with I Am Legend. <laughs> That could be a year in itself. Yeah, right. <laughs> lots of day outing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I don't know that we've done that. That's binge watching. It feels. <laughs> that's right. Cool. Oh, we did that with Ready Player One. That was good, but it came. It was a long wait in between mm. the two. Mm. Well, just to give people an idea of just not uh, possibly tripping up some ideas that you might for your future. These are some of the book groups that we've done in the past with the uh, SFABC. We've done general book groups like our current one, the uh, Fantastic Rose book group. But we've had a media tie-in book group where we would specifically choose titles that have been either TV, movie, or something else. We had a classics of science fiction book group. I think we have the Monsters of Horror book group. Uh, there, are some, there are some others which are going completely out of my mind now because that's why I write down things. <laughs> now, can I, can I find what I wrote down? <laughs> That's the problem of my life, yeah. I only wrote the current things that we did. So I will say, someone else help me. Okay, <laughs> when you think of more, let us know. I have, I have the most important question to ask. Um, what do you guys serve for snacks? <laughs> uh, we do potluck. Uh, yeah. We, yeah. Uh, we've got one member who really likes to bake, so that's really nice. Uh, Swedish fish are a big win, so <laughs> stock up on that. No one resists them. They're gone by the end of the meeting. Uh, yeah, just a variety. So you're not only coming in to talk about the book, you're coming in to see what everyone brought. 
Yeah, usually whoever's hosting will have like cheese and crackers or chips and hummus and then people just straggle in and bring stuff. One of the cool things was uh, one of the girls is a girl's women is a like baker and she made she does like fancy stuff on Instagram. She made these cookies that had fondant eyes in the middle, which was Ooh. very appropriate for science fiction. <laughs> um, for the Western Classics Book Club, because it's meeting pretty close to Times Square, we have a Japanese curry place that we kind of do the preload <laughs> for the meet. Um, but the oh sorry. Yeah, for the varsity one. For the Western Classics Book Club, it, I, because I'm recording it for a podcast, I almost feel obligated to provide food. So uh, last time I made uh, homemade uh, gnocchi, um, just took a bit to make the dough, and then we did uh, pistachio-like charcuterie stuff, which makes for nice environmental sounds <laughs> um, with, the, with the recording equipment. Uh, sometimes um, that need edited out. But, um, and then one time we did like braised pork and steam fried dumplings, which is a weird combo, but. And Phil, you guys are smart enough to usually meet at a place where there's food, right? We are, our book groups are being held at the cafes of Barnes & Noble, which I tell people that Barnes & Noble is giving us a place to hold our meeting. You will buy something from the cafe. I discussed this with Barnes & Noble when we, when we asked to meet here and even if you're on a diet, you can buy a bottle of bottled water and take it home with you. But yes, they do have food, although not what they have now versus what they had when they were first starting out. The cafes at Barnes and Noble used to be much better than they are now. <laughs> And my book group goes a little insane. We rotate around from house to house, and there is a full spread of hors d'oeuvres and cheese and crackers and olives and doodads, and one gal is a professional chef, and so we love going to her house. And uh, so we have uh, uh, soft beverages to drink, but we also serve wine, and that helps with the discussion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's true. Uh, but that, that's something you probably can't do in a library. So. <laughs> Did you have a thought? Yeah, I, I go to that library. The, the previous library was Mentioning that they're mostly senior citizens, that that's, uh, brings me down to something that was talked earlier. Uh, typically, book groups will attract the mostly women audience. Now, that is not necessarily true in science fiction, but as a general rule of thumb, uh, that's what you tend to, for various cultural reason, reasons that we won't have time to get into, uh, science fiction classically drew an almost all-male audience. It's, of course, changed over the years, but you tend to get a, a different gender balance, uh, or at least the possibility thereof. But I started picking up the microphone because we are meeting, this convention is in Westchester County, so if, is there anyone that lives in Westchester County here? If you are not aware of it, there is a, there is a Westchester mystery and science fiction meetup. So I just wanted to be, because I feel we should pay back the host county 
uh, you can find it. And I believe that, uh, so they alternate between science fiction and mystery books. And I believe that the woman that's running that, unless I'm confusing with a different meetup, says, how do you like your hamburgers made? Because on your subject of always, Feed the people, feed them, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there is a slot to ask that when you join the group. If you feed them, they will come, yeah. Well, I think we're, we've run out of our time. Thank you for uh, all of your input, everybody, and from the audience thank you guys. as well. Thank you, guys. Thanks to you guys. Please so, make sure you fill out the surveys. Judge us. <laughs> right back there, there. back there. And if you're interested in getting the list of science fi, sci-fi stuff and some of the other uh, things we have together, please sign up uh, for your email here. And could somebody take a picture of us, please, while we're sitting up here? That way we can tell everybody in social media how wonderful we are. I'll have my phone over. And just touch, touch the white dot anywhere. You want to be smiling or yeah. sneering? Uh, Phil, scooch in so we, we make sure we get everybody in. Everybody.